0: Welcome to Studio Berlin, our weekly current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. I'm your host, Sumi Somaskanda. This week, we're talking about where we stand in the pandemic here in Germany and in other parts of Europe. After the summer break, a lot of people in Germany, including students, returned to a somewhat regular routine. Many corona restrictions have been lifted in Germany. Yet we saw a massive protest against mask wearing and limits on gatherings here in Berlin. To some, corona hygiene measures are anti-democratic. To others, it feels like the pandemic is over, despite warnings from the government to remain vigilant and despite local outbreaks. Let's get some insight into where Germany stands in the pandemic right now. We have Andrew Ullmann with us. He's a parliamentarian for the FDP, the Free Democratic Party. He sits on the Health Committee in the Bundestag. He's a doctor and an expert on infectious disease. Mr. Ullmann, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Now, some restrictions have been lifted here in Germany. There are still some that remain, like mask requirements and public transportation and shops, and also some restrictions on larger gatherings. But people can have family celebrations. Kids are back in school. So what do you think we have learned? Is it possible to live with the virus and still bring back these elements of normality?
1: Well, I'm pretty sure that we learned a lot in the last couple of weeks or a month after the first outbreaks here in Europe and in North America, of course, and uh, we are probably not as scared as we used to be, and that is of advantage but also of some disadvantage because the the danger of this virus didn't change at all. It's still a virus that's highly contagious. It has side effects, uh, long-term effects on the patients, and especially in vulnerable patient populations, this uh, virus is, is deadly, and I think this is very important to understand that as a whole society, we have to make sure that uh, we could go into a new normality, as we like to call it, with some restrictions, but uh, have to still have the feeling that life can continue somewhat as a normal, but it won't be the same normal as we used to back a year ago.
0: So given that background, do you think that the current uh, coronavirus measures restrictions are appropriate and proportionate?
1: I think they are so far uh, appropriate and uh, proportionate. However, uh, we have to realize, especially here in Germany, that we do have uh, different states that actually regulate the uh, precautions or restrictions that are necessary. And what I'm missing as a politician is that our restrictions here in Germany should be uh, uniform. It needs to, especially in regards to prevention, we're not, I'm not talking about right now of outbreaks, how to handle those outbreaks, but it would make sense that uh, wearing masks, uh, keeping your distance, uh, having a certain amount of outdoor uh, gathering possibilities and indoor gathering possibilities be unified or uniform within Germany, but so far the states do it differently. And that can cause some confusion, of course, along the way. And uh, again, it's not really transparent why it's different different from state to state because prevention measures should be the same, especially also in Europe, should be the same. And of course, if you have a regional outbreak, then the region has to set up different kinds of restrictions. And then it would be very nice if we would have a public health institute like Robert Koch Institute to be stronger and give out some guidelines how the regions could react to a certain amount of uh, diseased patients with uh, COVID-19.
0: So, Mr. Oman, for some of our listeners who might not be familiar with what you were just talking about, you know, health regulations are controlled on a state level. And and so what are you suggesting that the government, the federal government, take more control when it comes to health matters?
1: I think that would make a lot of sense in a pandemic situation that the federal government would take measures by our constitution, which would need to have some changes done and let us know what has to be done or not. So far, uh, the federal government can only put out recommendations as does the Robert Koch Institute put out recommendations, and it's up to the different states within Germany to follow those guidelines or not.
0: Mr. Ullman, I want to ask you about that huge demonstration we saw in Berlin at the end of August, where you saw on the one hand conspiracy theorists and also right wing extremists uh, here on the streets who really hijacked a demonstration where you also saw a lot of average people, families speaking out against current uh, policies, restrictions. What did you think of this protest?
1: Actually, uh, there's, there's a, I like to call it a double heart situation. Uh, by our constitution, we have the right to demonstrate. And it's also a, a, a protected by law very strictly. But if you demonstrate, first of all, you have to follow certain rules. And in this case, we are in a pandemic situation and the demonstrations should follow the hygiene rules that are set forward here uh, for the city of Berlin. That's, that's the first step. So uh, that is possible, but they didn't follow the hygiene rules that were necessary and that's why in the second step those demonstrations were forbidden by the police or actually not forbidden, they were uh, actually closed down. What really bothered me was the demonstration in front of the Reichstag uh, where right-wing activists actually hijacked this kind of demonstration with flags of the uh, Deutsche Reich. I think that is totally inappropriate and not acceptable for our democracy and uh, I think uh, this direction we have to really be very strict and clear uh, as Democrats, that we'd condemn this kind of demonstration.
0: Indeed, those pictures, those images of the Reichstag steps being stormed there were ones that went around the world and were widely condemned. But still, do you overall get the sense in Germany that there is a, a almost a, a sense of fatigue among people, that they no longer want to uh, continue abiding by restrictions and coronavirus measures?
1: Well, that's an interesting uh, question that I cannot really answer to 100% if there's a fatigue in in the general population. Polls taken last week here in Germany actually put out the fact that the German angst, I like to call it, being afraid of the coronavirus actually is weaker than it was before that uh, almost three-quarter of the population is not afraid of this virus infection. Over 26% are still um, of concern. Uh, I think that that has changed uh, because we have learned a lot how to deal with this uh, virus. It's the serious virus again, but I I do understand the fatigue uh, outside because you do not see the virus. You do not feel the virus unless you have somebody in your uh, next of kin, uh, your siblings or friends who might be affected by this kind of uh, virus infection. And uh, as long as you don't see the threat, then the threat becomes more of a fantasy and then people uh, develop fatigue uh, going for those prevention measures. And that's why I think it's important as a society to reiterate the situation that we have worldwide that the pandemic is not over yet and that we follow those rules. And I do uh, applaud the the strict rules, especially in public transportation that we should wear masks and also wear masks in stores to uh, prevent the spread of the virus if somebody is infected before they get symptomatic.
0: I want to play you now a soundbite from the health minister Jens Spahn and what he had to say about the government's approach. And, And he spoke here in early September. Let's listen in. Every day we know more. Every day we learn more. And it's all about finding the right balance. That was different in March with the knowledge, dynamics and situation at that time than it is today in September. So, Mr. Ullmann, listening to what the health minister Jens Spahn had to say there, Do you think the government has done a good job of communicating what it's doing and why?
1: I think that is one weak spot of our government, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, that communication was pretty weak. Uh, a lot of communication is done through the internet and it was not done by newspaper, radio or television. This, this has changed over the time, improved uh, very uh, nicely. And I think uh, the society also learned a lot how to deal with this kind of uh, virus. And of course, our dealing today is a different one that we had back in March, so uh, things have changed. We understand the virus better. The balance between restrictions and opening has improved over the time. That is true. But nevertheless, we have to be better prepared for the next pandemic. We were not prepared for this uh, pandemic back in March. And uh, the pandemic is not over yet because the second infection wave is still coming. Just look over, over the borders to France. They are back at the second wave as it was back in March.
0: Speaking about being better prepared, Mr. Ullman, a last question. What do you think are the next steps in keeping the pandemic under control and at the same time keeping people on board, giving citizens enough freedom also to get on with their lives?
1: I think it's very important to be transparent and and very clear why certain rules have been made. It doesn't really make sense to have different prevention rules in different countries. It should be uh, uniform within Germany. And we also need a testing strategy that makes sense and not a wild testing and uh, using up our resources. Um, I'm thinking here on vacation returnees, also new thinking about schools and kindergartens, how we could test there if necessary at all, and how we can protect our vulnerable patient population, especially the elderly, and protection, I mean not by isolating them, I mean by having good, smart prevention strategies, especially in regards to testing strategies to identify infection outbreaks early on, to cut those infection chains that are possible and that's the only way that we could go through the autumn and winter time as long as we do not have adequate medication or vaccines to prevent or treat this kind of disease.
0: Andrew Ullmann, a member of the German Bundestag for the FDP, the Free Democratic Party, also a doctor. Thank you so much for joining us here on KCRW Berlin.
1: Thank you for having me here.
0: We'll take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll talk a bit more about the current sentiment in Germany on the pandemic and restrictions. And we'll also look over to France to see what the situation is there. You're listening to Studio Berlin on 104.1 FM. I'm Marco Werman. Each day, we give you the world.
2: They don't want people driving into the center of London.
0: The world is curious.
2: It's a total chaos in Venezuela right now.
0: The world is surprising. The Australian
3: government is completely clueless. The world is unexpected.
2: The Japanese really
1: have
3: made history today. The world is right here. Join us. Tune in to The World Tuesday through Saturday at 9 a.m. on KCRW Berlin.
0: Welcome back to Studio Berlin on 104.1 FM. We're talking about the state of the coronavirus pandemic and the public mood over government restrictions. We're going to look now at growing frustration and discontent here in Germany and at the situation in France, a country very hard hit by COVID-19. We'll talk about how the respective governments are dealing with both a health and economic crisis that doesn't look like it'll be over anytime soon. We're happy to have Eleanor Beardsley with us. She's the NPR correspondent in France. Hello. And we have Andreas Kluth with us. He's a columnist at Bloomberg Opinion here in Berlin. Hello, Sumi. Hi to you both. Great to have you. Eleanor, let's start with you there in France. Uh, Infection numbers are rising as are hospitalizations. Uh, Tell us about the outbreaks that France is witnessing right now.
3: Okay, well, uh, everything, uh, France came out of lockdown, two months of solid lockdown in mid-May. And everything was going well. And in August, health authorities started noticing that numbers were creeping up because of vacation, because of young people getting together. Now, the infections were mostly among young people under 40. So, you know, the government said, be careful. We we see this is rising. But hospitalizations weren't up. But now they are starting to rise. And I can tell you that I just heard an interview on French radio with an ICU intensive care doctor, very worried, in the south of France, whose um, hospital is about to be completely saturated again. And he says that it has grown exponentially in the last week. People have just been coming in, the same sort of profile, elderly people and people with other health problems like diabetes and obesity. So that was very alarming when I heard that on the radio. So I think um, it is starting to rise and hospitalizations, more importantly, are starting to rise. And that is a bit frightening. President Macron has said... We want to do everything possible to avoid another lockdown. In fact, the government has said, you know, flat out, we will not do another lockdown. But people don't really know anything is possible at this point. But the government wants to avoid it completely.
0: Andreas, I want to bring you in here and ask you about the situation in Germany right now. There have been, especially through the summer and now going into the fall, some local outbreaks. Tell us about the state of the pandemic in Germany.
2: Uh, it's stable, um, I have to say, um, it, all through Germany's done a pretty good job uh, at this, but uh, they had the same same trend uh, that Eleanor just described in France, as people were returning from holidays, they brought some clusters back, and the average age has been falling as mainly younger people party, and that sort of thing. But I guess they're still pretty good at contact tracing in in those places where it appears it's It's uneven within Germany. But the famous R factor that, you know, uh, is one, is around one, which means it's not accelerating, it's not slowing down either. So on average, one infected person infects one other person. And that's pretty much definition of stability.
3: I just want to say that's interesting because it's now at 1.3, the R factor in France.
0: Okay, so that's rising, clearly not staying stable. Yeah. Andreas. We were talking about the protests that we saw a few weeks ago here in Berlin and this general uh, mood or this growing mood of discontent in Germany with coronavirus regulations, with some of the hygiene measures that are in place. Can you tell us more about what we've been seeing and why?
2: A very curious phenomenon, because, you know, in the U.S., uh, that's the biggest outbreak in the world. Eleanor has just described how bad it is maybe getting again in France. In Germany, as I said, it has been stable. And yet, There is this, I just saw something today, a new study that about a third of the German population is susceptible to conspiracy theories. And so even though the lockdowns have been mild, the the restrictions have been mild and the pandemic is under control, Germans are, I would say, have a particularly large, within Europe at least, large movement of people who are just fed up and taking to the streets. And we have large demonstrations of all across the board, very colorful, very motley But right-wing extremists and even neo-Nazis have increasingly been mixing into these protests and trying to, you know, stir up the conspiracy theories and use them to their own ends.
0: Eleanor, what does that look like in France? I mean, masks are now mandatory in uh, outdoor spaces as well in Paris. How do Parisians feel about that?
3: Yeah, well, you know, they're mandatory outdoors in Paris and also many other cities now are doing it. Lyon and Marseille People are taking it very seriously, and people are wearing their masks outside. I was walking along the Seine River. Everyone is wearing a mask. And, you know, it's strange because um, now they're being more strict uh, in that, you know, masks outside, not just in public transport and inside. And also the school children now, over the age of 11, you have to wear your mask all day, at your desk even. And my own son came home with a headache this week. He said it was from having to wear his mask all day. So it's very strict, and people are accepting it. And actually, you know, when we had these European demonstrations against the mask, there was about 200 people who rallied in Paris against, how how many did you have in Germany? More than almost 40,000. And I was speaking with some people, some French people, and they were like stunned by that. We can't figure that out because, you know, um, there's a feeling here that the Germans are very sane. And you look at America, you look at Trump's America, and you see all these people protesting masks. And, you know, that's like, wow, that's sort of the Donald Trump you know, insanity effect. That's what a lot of French people say. They don't understand that at all. But to see that happening in Germany is really weird. So I would say, no, there is not that phenomenon. There's very few people who consider it, you know, a personal, you know, canceling of their personal liberties. People here are much more worried about this pandemic rising again.
0: As we enter the fall, though, Eleanor, is there at all a sense that people are tiring
3: of restrictions? People are tiring, but that's just the way it is. I mean, you know, I spoke with someone the other day, a woman. She said, it's, it's very tiring. I've had to wear it in my office. Now I have to wear it outside, she said, but it's still much better than having to go into confinement again because that was just horrible, and I don't want to have to repeat that. So people are ready to do it to avoid having a second wave.
0: Andreas, do you think the reason that we've seen, again, the swell of discontent here in Germany, at least what appears to be so, is because Germany wasn't as hard hit by the virus? Is that possible?
2: I think there's something else more worrisome going on um, in having to do with the right wing and with conspiracy theories. As we, when I mentioned the U.S., uh, QAnon is a big conspiracy theory going around in the U.S., It appears to have been imported into Germany and sort of mutating here. I want to point out that not all Germans have gone crazy. If you look at polls, the vast majority of Germans are exactly as Eleanor says the French imagine them, which is very reasonable. The uh, approval of the government, of the Merkel government, of the health minister, of the government parties is up. So it is essentially a fringe movement that lives in a parallel media universe and that, that we're talking about that's taking to the streets. And so I think it's more of a media and, and mass psychology problem than anything epidemiological.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Andres, because if you do look at the polls, the support for Chen Angela Merkel and her government is still remarkably high right now. What about for the health minister, Jens Spahn? He's taken a lot of heat of late. He was even uh, heckled a few times as he tried to speak to protesters. I mean, why do you think that is? Is it just because he's really the face of some of these regulations?
2: Yes, and I've not always been a fan of of him, But he has done an excellent job this year during this pandemic. By the way, I think he, he's not officially a candidate to become leader of the party of the Christian Democrats. But I think he could if he wanted to have a shot at it, at least. But, you know, he is the face of the measures, as you said. He's gay, and some of these uh, right-wingers don't seem to like that either. So there's a lot going on. But again, remember, that's just a loud minority pretty small minority overall. The country, I think, is very happy with Jens Spahn. And then there are these few loonies out there on the streets.
0: There are also families and everyday people out there protesting, Andreas. What do you think is behind that phenomenon?
2: The same thing still, although I don't want to make it sound like they're all right-wingers, but they're marching alongside them, which is suspicious. <laughs> Some of them, and the movement, interestingly, is sort of started in the southwest, which is very prosperous, around Stuttgart, and to be honest, I can't figure that out either, why especially there, these conspiracy theories are so loud, and these people feel, if you ask them, that their liberties have been trampled upon, but as soon as know, I have talked to a few of them, and then they quickly veer off into just bizarre conspiracy theories.
0: Eleanor, coming back to you now, uh, hearing what's been happening in Germany, I mean, how is the government trying to communicate what it's been doing in the pandemic and and has it been effective?
3: Um, All summer long, there were these clever ads about, you know, keeping up your social distancing. There was one with two uh, young people yelling at each other from their beach towels. So, you know... Having a friendly banter on the beach, but from like ten feet away from each other, so that was kind of cute. You know, it's all been about keep up the the barrier gestures, which is you know the three meters apart and wearing your masks. It's basically been that, and this threat hanging over the country of Are we going to have to go into a second confinement, which would really be a disaster for the economy, which has already been very hard hit. I think people realize the gravity of it, and. I don't know. Yes, this QAnon movement is very worrisome, but when I read about it, I'm reading about it in the US. I mean, it's not really hit France yet. I, of course it could. There are conspiracy theorists everywhere, but so far people seem to be very lucid about this and they're they're basically following the government and they're they're just, you know, worried about having the second confinement, so they're they're doing what they need to do.
0: And what is the government's strategy moving forward if there are serious outbreaks again in the future? And as you said, I mean, the numbers are already rising again
3: there's talk of doing you know spot confinements you know you wouldn't confine the whole country but you can find certain cities or sections of certain cities there have been things in schools Uh, one teacher told me that you know if they start having problems then half the class will go home and then half the class will be in class and the rest will follow virtually from home and then they'll alternate every other week so I think There's sort of case-by-case scenarios that, you know, small communities would put in place. There are clusters. They're doing heavy contact tracing. But there's been criticism of the testing. Uh, There's being, you know, there's a million tests being done a week, and that's great, but critics say that they're just being done helter-skelter by everybody who wants one, and it really needs to be more targeted so that the contact tracing can follow along very effectively. There needs to be a method to it. So there are plans for, you know, just targeting the areas that clusters that are having problems. um, And hopefully that will work. And then keeping up the barrier gestures. There's these ads and there's all kinds of just public service announcements on TV, on internet. There's billboards across Paris. Just keep it up. And so that's basically what's going on right now.
0: What about the economic crisis? I mean, the government announced a a massive rescue plan to focus on jobs. What are the details there and how has it been received?
3: Yeah. Yeah. 100 billion euros a rescue plan and macron uh, his uh, prime minister announced that last week it's been very well received um, you know it has got three prongs it's it's not to rebuild the economy as it was before they're talking about building a new economy a new way of doing things that you know an ecological transition and bringing manufacturing back to France there's a big component especially in the health sector to make France you know sovereign when it comes to health equipment and you know there's money for a lot, like the arts has been, and culture has been really hard hit, and hotel industries, so, and the, you know, airline industries, so that's been received very well, and also there's a thing like the Kurzarbeit in in Germany, and I'm sure I've pronounced that wrong, but it's called Chômage Partiel, so in mid-March, people were kept on at about 84% of their salary, Um, the government, you know, gives money to companies to do that, That's supposed to run out in mid-September, although it's been extended for critical sectors like the hotel and restaurant sector through December. And just last week, the finance minister said it could go into next year. So that's kept people afloat. um, And so we haven't felt the big pain yet. And hopefully this 100 billion euros is going to cushion things. So the government is preparing for it. We'll, We'll see what happens.
0: Andreas, what is the picture like economically here in Germany? We know that the finance minister, Olaf Scholz, early on in the crisis brought out what he called a bazooka of an economic package and that the uh, Kurzarbeit program that Eleanor just spoke about has now been extended. Uh, what is the government's plan?
2: There have been two stimuluses and then lots of other measures. And if you add them all up, you get to about a trillion. It's, it's absolutely huge. And, and it's working because um, actually Germany has already passed the worst since May so the, the worst point was probably in April, and then in May it started recovering. It'll take until 2022 for them to get back to pre-pandemic levels. But because the recovery is underway in this fairly controlled pandemic here in Germany, there is now a controversy over whether the measures have, are, are excessive. And it's not the amount that it's, it's, that's controversial, it's the timing. Because the as you said, the Kurzabad, the short-to-furlough program, and a looser insolvency uh, regulations they've been extended until the end of 2021 and the fear is now that a lot of companies are being kept afloat companies not that weren't just suffering from the pandemic but companies that that were basically suffering even before and they're called zombie companies so germany was in a sort of was entering a neat uh, restructuring of the economy as the pandemic struck and the controversy now is with all these measures, what if we've just stopped that or, or slowed it down, the restructuring and the car sector and so forth, because we're keeping it alive, all these companies, these zombie companies.
0: One last question to you both, and we'll start with you, Andreas, to pick up where you left off. As we head uh, further into the fall and into the winter months, where there are real fears that we could see infection rates rise dramatically again as the weather gets colder, what do you think is the most important thing the governments in, in Germany and France are going to have to do and also communicate to people to bring them along with whatever measures are necessary?
2: One is I think they should communicate. Uh, I think getting a flu shot that separate different virus of the flu is even more important than in normal seasons. You don't want to have in one body the two viruses mixing, but also you want to keep ERs, you know, emergency rooms and everything free of one and on the other. And we, we will have a vaccine from the flu. Beyond that, I think is a not a blanket, but a targeted restrictions from now on so that the um, social cohesion or the, the buy-in from the population stays as high as you can, and you still manage it. And um, as we all look for a vaccine and and hope that one arrives, but it won't be here this winter, at least not in Germany.
3: And Eleanor? Eleanor? Yes, I would say that is the big fear. As it gets colder, you know, the mayor of Paris gave restaurants um, permission. They've put their tables out into the parking area of the streets now. There's a lot fewer parking places for cars. But, of course, you know, nobody's going to be sitting outside at a cafe in December. And so, yes, the government is urging the flu shot. And for the first time, I'm thinking of getting one, and I never did before. And then the barrier gestures, keep up the mask, keep up the social distancing, even at home, you know, if, because when multi-generational households live together, young people with old people, just you don't need to get close to people every second of the day. Keep your distance. And so they're hammering that, get the flu shot. And yeah, that's basically it for now.
0: We'll have to leave it there. Thank you both. Eleanor Beardsley, the NPR correspondent in Paris.
3: Super to be with you, Sumi.
0: And Andreas Kluth from Bloomberg Opinion here in Berlin. Thank you, Sumi. That's it for this week's show. Thank you to all of our guests for joining us. Just a reminder again that we're now a podcast. You can find us on Apple, Stitcher and Spotify. I'm your host, Sumi Somaskanda. See you next week.